This is the message from Connection Community Church for the week of March 7th, 2010. East of Eden, God, I don't need you. I guess I was about um, 14 at the time. My dad was in the VA hospital up in Ellesmere. He had some surgery, and I went to visit. And um, during our, my visit, he asked me if I'd been watering the lawn like he'd asked me to do. And uh, of course, I hadn't because that was my nature to not remember to do the chores I was supposed to do. It shouldn't have come as a surprise. But anyway, um, I got pretty upset, uh, very upset, probably a combination of... Uh, not feeling so great, once again, me letting him down with the chores, you know, and, and probably maybe even feeling a little sorry for himself having to be in the hospital and everything like that, but what I remember that was, uh, was really tough was when he said something about, well, since I got to do everything myself, I really don't need you. Wow, that's kind of tough, especially when you're 14. I, your dad's saying, I don't need you, and like I say, I'm sure deep down that's not really what he meant. It was, you know, in the heat of the moment, but that's not a very good feeling, is it, when somebody says, I don't need you, especially somebody that means a lot to you, somebody that, 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 that you love, somebody who loves you. I don't need you. You know, thinking about that, I wonder if, um, I wonder if God gets that feeling when we say to him, God, I don't need you. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, we thank you for today. We thank you for bringing us here this morning. It's not by accident. Now, Lord, open us up so that we might receive what you have in store for us, your message specially designed for each one of us uh, by you. Help us walk away from here changed and transformed by your word. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. And all of Connection Church said? Amen. Amen. Well, for the last two weeks, we've explored what it means to be east of where? Eden. East of Eden. That's where God sent Cain after Cain murdered his brother. That's a place that's far from God. That's a place where you and I often go. It's a place where we often find ourselves. East of Eden, far from God. Now, two weeks ago when we were east of Eden... Uh, we talked about the fact that it's not unusual for us to say, God, I don't see you. God, I don't hear you. God, I don't feel you. God, I don't sense you. Where are you, God? Last week, we shared that when we were east of Eden, it's not unusual for us to say, God, I don't understand you. God, I don't understand you. Now today, we're going to look at perhaps our greatest challenge when we're east of Eden, and that's when we say, God, 
I don't need you. God, I don't need you. God, I don't need you. And right now you might be thinking, hey, you know, I've, I've never actually said that to God. You know, I've never said, God, I don't need you. And that's probably true for many here. Uh, very likely you've not uttered those words, and that's because we usually don't say, God, I don't need you. It's, it's not what we say, it's what we don't say with our words that indicates, God, I don't need you. And often it's not even about what we say at all, but it's about we, what we do or don't do. And that's how we uh, let God know, I don't need you. Hmm. Whether we say it words or not, oftentimes, most of the time, most all of us, sometime or other, say loud and clear, God, I don't need you. Okay, so here's an example. It might be a little bit clearer. Let's say that your best friend um, lost their job. And so they come to you, and we've, we've all had this real recently with one another. We know people who have, are in that place. And so your friend comes to you, and they're in tears, or, or they're really upset, trying to contr- console them. And we find ourselves, we end up saying, I'll pray for you, right? Isn't that what we often say? I'll pray for you. And they're in a tough spot. They need prayer. They need God's help. And so we pray for them. That's not a bad thing to do. Not a bad thing at all. But let's do a flip on that. Let's say your best friend comes to you just a-glowing. I mean, they're like got a spring in their step, you know, and they say to you they got that promotion that they'd been hoping for. What do you do? You can congratulate them, right? You want to share in their joy. But would you ever consider saying, from, I, I got that promotion, next thing out of your mouth is, I'll pray for you. <laughs> Isn't it funny that we laugh at that? Huh. <laughs> now they say, I lost the job, I'll pray for you. I got the promotion, I'll pray for you. <laughs> it's, it, it's fine, because we don't say that, do we? And if we did say it to them, they'd look at us like we're from Mars, because they'd say, no, 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 I got the promotion. I didn't get fired, I got the promotion. Because, see, what is it? We only need God when we're getting fired. We, we don't need God when we get promoted. But actually, the truth is we probably need Him more when we get promoted than, than when we get fired. But we don't recognize that because... Because. <laughs> because. Why is it? that we're so much more likely to turn to God in times of crisis than in times of good times, prosperity. Remember what happened in 9-11, at 9-11. Boy, oh boy, the churches were packed for a while, weren't they? They were packed. For a month. For a month. But when that crisis was over, people kind of got back, got real comfortable, no longer possibly felt that need to be really close to God. So it's like this, when things are going really, really well, the majority of us end up in this place where we just end up saying without our words, God, I don't need you. So what's the deal here? Well, when things are going well, 
we feel we can handle it ourselves, right? Yeah, that's what we think. We only want to open ourselves up to God when things are rough. We, we don't want God sticking his nose into our lives unless we're at the end of our rope and got no place else to turn, I think is what it really comes down to. Have you ever known someone who comes to church when they're in crisis, but when everything's okay, they're not around, they're not in church? You know, that... It's crazy, but it seems to happen to most of us. Because, you know, when things are in crisis, we turn to God and we come to church. And then in other times when things are nice and smooth and we're managing on our own, we just get really busy. Um, It's not a priority anymore. I mean, it's like we figured out we've got it under control. We've got our lives under control. You know, our marriage. Everything is is really great, you know, when things are all huggy, huggy, nicey, nicey. It's like we might not even think about God. And then when there's this happens, it's like all of a sudden I find myself praying a lot more. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. We don't ask God's help when we're necessarily climbing up that ladder, but when we're knocked down a rung or two or three or ten, we find ourselves asking God's help in a way different way. Yeah. And why is that? Why do we say, God, I don't need you until we can't handle it anymore ourselves? Well, we just said a mouthful, didn't we? We, we figure when it's going good, that we can handle it ourselves. When it's going good, we think we've got it under control, that we're capable of calling the shots. It's, it's only when we're, like I said before, at the end of our rope that we feel the need to bother God with it. Amen? And yet, and yet the truth is that we need God in the good times as well as the tough times. We need God when we're living in prosperity as much as when we're living in poverty and maybe even more. We've shared before about the story of the rich young ruler. And in that part in Scripture, Jesus points out that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get to heaven. Why? Why is that? Because those riches get in the way of receiving what God has to offer us. They become the gods, little g-gods of our lives. You know, when we have all this wealth, especially material wealth, we forget that we need a Savior. When our hands are full, full of all of our stuff, full of all of our accomplishments, when our hands are full... It's hard to receive the blessings of God. When our hands are full, it's really hard to be able to receive the blessings that God has in store for us. Yeah, it's funny. We, we've done a lot of weddings over the years, weddings and funerals. And almost without exception, yeah, almost without exception, it's the funeral that brings people closer to Christ, not the wedding. 
And you're going, well, duh. Well, why should it be duh? Why should it be that way? Um, you know, is it because at the wedding we think that other person's going to take care of our need? And at the funeral we realize that that's not true? I, I, I don't know. Um, when we're facing a bright and, and, and prosperous future, you know, wedding, I hope when we're getting married, we're looking for a bright, prosperous future. We're not thinking about all the challenges we're going to be facing, at least not on that day. They don't believe that, us when we tell them anyway. At least not for that moment. We hope we have the rose-colored glasses on at least for a moment there, right? And, and as, as you figure, oh, man, when everything's, I, I got it under control. You know, what is it, only when we face our challenges and, and we face our have to come face to face with our limitations? Is that, is that when we realize that it's not under our control at all? Is that the only time? There comes a point. There comes a point where every single one of us ends up saying, God, I need you. We find ourselves in those spots. God, I need you. But we need to be careful because when we get past that crisis where we call out, God, I need you, we end up going back to that place of not needing him quite so much, that east of Eden place where we say, God, I don't need you at all. I I think this is what happened to Solomon. You've heard of Solomon, right, in the Scripture? Um, he was the son of King David and Bathsheba, and, and, and was, when Solomon was first appointed king by his father, Scripture tells us that he showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statute of his father David, who loved the Lord and followed him closely. It says in Scripture that Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings to God at a place called Gibeon, and it was at that place that God appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and told him to ask God for whatever he wanted God to give him. Wow. And, and, and check out, this, this is, this is what, what, um, what, what Solomon said. He said, you were extravagantly generous in love with David, my father, and he lived faithfully in your presence. His relationships were just, and his heart was right. And you have persisted in this great and generous love by giving him, and, and this very day, a son to sit on his throne. And now here I am. God, my God, you, you've made me your servant, ruler of the kingdom in place of David, my father. I'm, I'm too young for this, a mere child. <laughs> I don't know the ropes, hardly know the ins and outs of this job. And, and here I am, set down in the middle of the peoples you, you've chosen, a, a great people, far too many to ever count. Here, here's what I want. Give me a God-listening heart so I can lead your people well discerning the difference between good and evil. For who on their own, check this out, for who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people? For who on their own is capable of leading your glorious people? Wow. Well, God was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And so here's what God said in response. Because you have asked for, asked for this and haven't grasped after a life, a long life, or riches, or the doom of your enemies, but you have asked for the ability to lead and govern well, 
I'll give you what you asked for. I'm giving you a wise and mature heart. There's never been one like you before, and there'll be no one after. As a bonus, I'm giving you both the wealth and the glory you didn't ask for. There's not a king anywhere who will come up to your mark. And if you stay on course, keeping your eye on the life map and the God signs, as your father David did, I'll also give you a long life. Wow. Wow. So he gave, gave Solomon what he asked and more. He, he, he gave him a wise and mature heart. We're told later in, in the chapter that Solomon's wisdom was greater than all the men of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man. You know, we, we talk about the wisdom of Solomon, don't we? Yeah. And, and, and then God promised him a long life if he would stay on course. And what does on course mean? It means walking in God's ways and following God's commands and God's statutes as his father David had done. That's all he needs to do. Just just stay with God. And Solomon was focused. Solomon did this, at least at first. He built a, a great temple for God. It was, check this out, 90 feet by 30 feet by 45 feet high. It was built with the finest materials and it took seven years to build. Now check out what he did. He got God's house built and then he turned from the Lord's house to building his own house, the palace for the king. Now the palace was 150 feet long and 75 feet wide and 45 feet tall. His palace, his home, if you do the math, I won't give you the square footage, but this is what it comes out to. It's exactly two and a half times the size of the temple. Think about that. His residence was two and a half times the size of God's home that had been built. The temple took seven years to build. His palace took 13. You see what's happened here? See what's happened here? Solomon now is getting more focused on himself than he is on God. God gave him all this wealth. <laughs> now he's going to use it. He, he, he doesn't seem like he even needs God like he once did. He, he has allowed his prosperity to bring him poverty in his God dealings. Way back before he asked God for wisdom, Solomon had married Pharaoh's daughter. And here's what happened later in his career after building the temple and after building his palace. 1 Kings 11. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites You must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth. I don't get that, but anyway. Don't get what? That they were royal? No. 700. (laughs) You're so funny. 
<laughs> I love it when it comes out with that stuff. That's cute. Anyway. <laughs> I'm going to start back. <laughs> Verse 3. <laughs> it's 700 wives. Okay, it's 700 get. wives that I don't get of royal birth. And guess what? 300 more concubines. So that's 1,000. Yeah. And his wives led him what? Yeah. If he had kept one, that might not have happened. Anyway. As tough so- enough keeping up with one. I don't know how he did it with a thousand, but that's tough enough. But. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. This is really getting bad. He followed... Say that word, Alan. Ashtoreth. I don't get it. Okay. The goddess of Sidonians and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. He did not follow the Lord completely. You catch that? He did not follow the Lord completely. He allowed his weakness for women to get in the way of his need for God. And by turning to these women and their gods, he in effect was saying to the one had granted him not only wisdom, but but his great fortune. What he was saying was, God, say it with me. I don't need you. God, I I don't need you. And in so doing, Solomon was very, very far from God. Solomon was, was definitely living east of Eden. Verse 6, 1 Kings chapter 11 tells it all. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely as David, his father, had done. He did not follow the Lord completely. And oh, how true is that for you and for me. When we don't follow the Lord completely, we find ourselves where? East of Eden. We do. We follow God when we want to. We follow God when it's easy. We follow God when it's convenient. And then we forget. And then we, everything goes really nice. And then we find ourselves not following God, and we find ourselves east of Eden. And then a crisis happens, and then we say, God, I need you, because God becomes, you know, the place to turn. And then we again turn over the reins of our lives, hoping that God will straighten things out, and then we inevitably take those reins back. Because either we're no longer in crisis or we simply have trouble giving up control. Make a choice. I can't. You just did. You know, when, 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 we, um, when we make that choice, <laughs> we're living east of Eden, aren't we? When we choose to not have God, when we choose to say, God, I don't need you. 
And, and our challenge is we do need God, not just in the times of crisis, but especially in the times of joy and prosperity and, and, and when things are going wonderfully. We need God all the time, 24-7, 365, and, 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 and we tend not to know that. We need a Savior because we can't save ourselves. And it's not a Savior that we bring in just when, you know, the times are tough, not just in the crisis times when, say, my mom's in the hospital, not just those times, not just when, you know, we lost a job, but all the time. You know, we, we got to all the time say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for taking part in sharing the message for this week. For more information about Connection Community Church, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also reach our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that He offers.